The Tapper Teacher Training is an annual retreat for homeschooling parents, a live in-person gathering that brings together heart-centered homeschoolers from all over the world for hands-on learning, community, connection, and fun. And I'd love to see you at Taproot 2024. We'll gather August 1st through 4th at a camp in Northeastern Ohio for a long weekend of engaging workshops, hiking and yoga, and personal reflection. Taproot gives everyone a chance to experience and practice singing, painting, and building main lessons in order to foster a deeper understanding of the hands-on, Waldorf-inspired approach. A team of experienced homeschoolers offer guidance rooted in each of their family's life to help bring you more joy to yours. This is our 18th year of offering this amazing experience. You can learn more at artofhomeschooling.com slash taproot2024. You're listening to the Art of Homeschooling podcast, where we help parents cultivate creativity and connection at home. I'm your host, Jean Miller, and here on this podcast, you'll find stories and inspiration to bring you the confidence you need to make homeschooling work for your family. Let's begin. Well, hey there, and welcome to episode 76 here on the Art of Homeschooling podcast. So glad you're here. In this episode, I'm sharing with you the power of stories, the art of teaching with stories. In many hands-on homeschooling approaches, stories form the foundation of the lessons because stories help connect us person to person and also draw us in so that we're receptive to hearing their messages. Stories themselves can be teachers of values, character development, specifics on a given topic, and even history. And stories can also serve as a great jumping off point for teaching skills. So have a listen to this episode, which I hope gives you a sense of freedom in embracing stories as the true teachers that they are. And if you want more help weaving in the skills development piece, come join me inside the Inspired at Home membership, where we have a great new masterclass all about skills development for homeschooling through the grades. You can find links to Inspired at Home and the stories I talk about today in the show notes for this episode at artofhomeschooling.com slash episode 76. I want to talk to you about this idea that stories make great teachers. So in the Waldorf approach, Steiner talked about stories as a way to convey new content, right? So we usually begin all lessons, no matter what the main lesson block topic might be, we start the lesson with a story. We bring a story. We share a story. Now, 
sometimes people think we have to memorize all those stories and we do not, especially as homeschoolers. So that idea, um, it's, it's not a problem to memorize the stories, but don't feel pressured to memorize all the stories because it's actually more, I would say more critical to do when you have a large group of students, like 32 students, but in a homeschool setting, you don't. And um, we're much more connected to our children. We can make eye contact more easily. Sometimes we're sitting on a couch side by side. My friend Allison used to call this time in the lesson couch time because sometimes we're on the couch with our kids snuggled up sharing a story. There are other methods of teaching and homeschooling that use good stories too, right? Charlotte Mason calls these, often calls these living books, the Charlotte Mason method. And even the Montessori method talks about the importance of story. Today, there's a lot known about how stories really connect human to human, like they help create and foster those connections from one person to another. So use stories to help you do the teaching. I think it's in the Charlotte Mason approach, they talk about the three teachers, right? There's the teacher, the person, there's the environment, and then there are stories or books. And so stories do make great teachers. In our approach, in this hands-on and engaging approach to learning that might be Waldorf-inspired, the idea is that the child is at the center of the learning and we're looking at the child and what the child might need right now. And then we're present and connecting with the child and we're bringing stories to help do the teaching. So I want to talk about how do we choose the stories and how do we use them to help us teach? So first off, you don't have to memorize the, all the stories. There is even a quote from Rudolf Steiner. He, when he did the two-week training for the one dozen, just 12 teachers from the very first Waldorf school, he never said you have to memorize all the stories, which is really interesting because there is this kind of perception about um, the Waldorf approach that that is required. <laughs> and so here is a quote that often surprises people. He said this maybe on day two or three of out of 14 of those lectures that he gave to the very first Waldorf teachers. And I'm going to read it to you. He said, Read the story aloud to the children and leave it be. If you start pedantically analyzing the passage and droning on and on with explanations, you will destroy the child's feelings and perceptions of its underlying meaning and the contentment that reading aloud produces in the soul. Reading aloud. Now, I love this concept. Also, this gets into the how, then, of reading a story and letting it be. It relates to also this two-day rhythm. So it doesn't mean that you can never discuss a story. And as children get older, discussion and conversation are a huge part, right, of the learning. Young children sometimes have questions, so it is a good idea for us to develop the habit, help them develop the habit of not interrupting, of being able to just sit and listen to a story all the way through. And it might be, we might be sharing a story in its completion 
especially if it's a shorter story for younger kids, or we might be reading a portion of a story if it's, say, a chapter book that we're reading with older children. But either way, we want children to be able to listen to the whole of the section or the story that we are reading. Sometimes then children have questions. So while we're reading, we might just put our hand on their shoulder. And and if it requires some reminders, we might just say, let's wait till the end. We might whisper it and just keep going. That helps them develop that habit of listening. And then the second tip is that when they have questions on day one, when we've just presented the story, read the story for the first time, it can be a very good idea for us to develop the skill of being able to say, hmm, I wonder, and then wait, right? So let their questions, like let them live into those questions. Don't answer them right away and save the discussion and the questions and the conversation for day two of this two-day lesson rhythm. Day one, we present new material through story. Day two, we come back and review it. And then children often write up a summary, perhaps into their main lesson book. So We want to share stories, often in a homeschool setting. We are reading the stories, just as Steiner described, and then we are using those stories to share historical content, right, in the history curriculum and in the language arts curriculum to help develop skills of first writing, then reading, and then further writing skills, right, of all the structure of writing from sentences to paragraphs, as well as um, the skills of being descriptive in your writing and being concise in your writing and all of those things. It is fascinating to me to look at my three kids and all the other kids that I've helped in homeschool groups, to look at kids, and even in my classroom teaching experience, comparing that experience to kids who've gone through the Waldorf method Children, by the time they're in high school, are fabulous with summarizing things. And that is an important, important skill to have. To be able to concisely summarize a topic, that can come from years of engaging with a Waldorf approach because they are writing these story summaries from the time they're really young. So it has huge benefits. All right, so how do we choose the stories? And then I'm going to give you a couple examples of how to use the stories. Choosing the stories, you know, there are a whole bunch of ways to find recommended stories. So, you know, you can look in Facebook groups and what have other people used and look at curriculum. And you can even look in my Waldorf Homeschooling Simplified Toolkit where I recommend or share with you what our favorite resources and stories have been for every single block in each of the blocks, grades one through eight. And the library is a fabulous resource too. So other people's recommendations, the libraries, looking online for book lists, looking at Charlotte Mason grade by grade, like living books lists, all kinds of places you can look for recommendations. And then when you have a handful of books before you to choose among, then you find the books or book that really speaks to you because the more interested you are in sharing this, the more your children are going to pick up on that. So you want to find stories that you really are motivated or inspired is a better word to share with your children. Hey, I really want to share this. I can't wait to read this story to you. And then you want to find books that have sort of that lasting value. 
that speak to your heart, right? That really make you feel like they have a message or a way of telling the story that has value long beyond when you are finished with that book and and really speaks to the human the human experience, I would say. So that's how you choose a book. Find one that really lights you up, one that other people recommend for your particular block topic. You can create a whole block around just one book if you want. And you might read, if it's a shorter book, read it the whole thing on day one and then come back to different parts of it. Or if it's a chapter book, break it up into however long you have for your block. And you would be reading a new portion of it every other day, right? And usually that's on, if you have a four-day homeschool week, that's on day one and day three. And just break it up. However, you know, if you have four weeks and you have two times when you're presenting new material a week, then you would break it into eight sections. So then how do we bring this, right? We don't have to memorize it. We've already been through that. And you can read, like I said, all or some of it. So I'm just going to give you a couple of examples of stories that our family has loved that also, just a little bonus, are good for more than just one grade. So I have three books here and the first two could be really great for grades two and four. So if you have a child in grade two and a child in grade four, there is in grade two often animal fables or stories of animals that have almost the animals themselves in the stories have like human characteristics so we can see ourselves in the animals. And then in fourth grade, there is a human and animal block. So bringing animal stories to children in both those of both those ages is really good. In third grade, in between, we often are doing a, a food and farming block. So there are often animals involved in that too. I mean, all the way through, there are lots of different points where animal stories can be tied into the curriculum. So here is the first book that I want to share. This one is, um, these are Old Mother Westwind Stories by Thornton Burgess. And this one's called um, Mother Westwind's Children. This is just one version. You can get a set of these or individual books. And the story that I'm going to share with you is called Striped Chipmunk's Pockets. A go along with this story I think is it's really fun when you're doing fables or human and animal or any of these blocks to also be sharing a work of fiction that, I mean, this is fiction too, but a chapter book that you could be reading to the whole family together, especially if you have a group of kids who are mixed ages. So one absolute favorite book from our family is pretty quirky, but it's like a, it's almost like a fairy tale and it's called The Animal Family by Randall Jarrell. And it is an odd story of a hunter living in the woods and he really wants a family. And the family that he really creates from befriending different animals. And it's funny because when I pulled this off the shelf, I read for the first time, probably not the first time, but I didn't remember reading this before, some of the reviews, excerpts from book reviews. And the very last one is from the School Library Journal. And it talks about how this tale is the stuff from which a lifetime of dreams and epiphanies is made. Saying that it's it's a golden fable that, this, the author of the book review says, would 
bring about a renaissance, which would be applauded by the Brothers Grimm, Hans Christian Andersen, and Lewis Carroll, which I just think is so sweet. Quirky, very different book, but so delightful. So that could be a fun book that you are reading aloud, like in the afternoons during quiet time or at night before bed or something like that while you're doing an animal block, an animal fables block in second grade, for which this is quite appropriate, or a human and animal block or a zoology block for a little bit older child. All right, so how might you go about that? So I'm just going to share the very beginning of this chapter about the striped chipmunk. And this chapter is, let's see, about about 10 pages long. And this would be a, a story that you could read in its whole in one sitting, or you could break it up either way. And again, remember the quote from Rudolf Steiner that you simply want to read the story and let it be, and then you're going to come back to it the next day. This is how we use stories or how stories can make great teachers. So this starts off like this. It was one of Striped Chipmunk's busy days. Every day is a busy day for Striped Chipmunk at this season of the year, for the sweet acorns are ripe and the hickory nuts rattle down whenever Old Mother West Wind shakes the trees, while every night Jack Frost opens chestnut burrs just to see the squirrels scamper for the plump brown nuts the next morning. So it is just a beautiful story about, and it really captures the essence of the character of a chipmunk, and then there's a squirrel and a fox, and each of these characters really come alive in this story in such a beautiful way. So you might have read it ahead of time, if you've had time, and you maybe haven't read it ahead of time, and then you would get to the end, right, and... The chipmunk is very faithful in gathering the nuts for the winter and is rewarded then by having these little pockets in her cheeks because of that behavior. And that's so it explains why chipmunks have these little extra pouches in their cheeks. That's the essence of the story or the the gist or the theme of the story. So you would simply get to the end of the story and at the very end, Great Grandfather Frog has been telling the story of the little chipmunk and says, uh, no, sir, you can't fool old mother nature and it's no use to try. And then the breezes all say, they're called the merry little breezes throughout the old mother West Wind stories. The breezes say, thank you. Thank you for telling us this story. And then they all raced across the green meadows to shake down some more nuts for striped chipmunk. And then you just leave it be. So if you're making a main lesson book from this, you would then move into drawing the picture in the main lesson book. And like I said, if your children have questions, and some do, then you're simply going to say, hmm, I wonder. And you don't want to frustrate them. Like if they get really frustrated by that, then maybe answer a few of the questions or say, we're going to come back to this story again tomorrow. And then the next day might be when you discuss it. Because as Steiner said, you want to leave them just with the feeling and perception of the story itself in their whole being, 
before you get into the head. So don't get too verbal about it because that's what brings us into our head. We want the story to live in our hearts and in our being, in our whole soul, really. One other story that I want to share is The Secret Garden. And this would be a great story. This is a classic story by Frances Hodgson Burnett. And it is the story, if you've never read it, is such a beautiful story about a garden coming to life in the spring, but it really starts in the winter when there's darkness in this young girl's life and there's darkness in the family she goes to visit and the and everybody kind of comes to life in the springtime as the garden begins to grow. And this is a great, uh, it's a chapter book and it would make, it makes a fabulous family read aloud. It could be, you know, Papa's job in the evening or again at, in the afternoon at rest, right before rest time, or it could be a part of your main lesson. So however you want to do it, and you could make a main lesson book from this story if you wanted to. So if you were trying to read this story over eight weeks time, like I said in the beginning, you just divide it up. This can be a great story for grades if you have a grade three and five child. So in grade three, there's a typical main lesson block that is about food and farming, gardening, And then in grade five, there's a block about botany. So in addition to reading this story, you would then bring in other subjects like plants, right? Studying certain plants or planting a garden yourself or... If you had a grades two or four child, you could bring in the animals that show up in the garden to go along with this. So that begins to give you an idea, I hope, of how to use story, like how stories make great teachers and how to weave stories in when you have more than one child and you want to be sharing these with all of your children at once and maybe you're even combining grades. So I hope that that helps you and I hope that you find ways of using stories as teachers, right? For older children, you can then be still using stories by encouraging them or even assigning them to read stories of famous people in history, read an autobiography about that person's life, or read a a work of historical fiction about the era, but keep encouraging them to read stories independently, maybe assign them a book per block that they read on their own. And this would be, you know, really in grades six, seven, or even eight height or in high school. But I just encourage you to continue using stories throughout your homeschooling years because stories really do make great teachers. All right. Thanks so much for joining me and I will see you soon. Bye for now. That's all for today, my friend. But here's what I want you to remember. Rather than perfection, let's focus on connection. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you on the next episode of the Art of Homeschooling podcast. Mm -hmm.